0: Hello there, this is Guru, talking to you about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain how. First off, it is absolutely free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more providers. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's completely free. Second, Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Ballistic Podcast.
1: We are doing an episode after a very, very long time, in fact. I think uh, the last time we did an episode was back in June or July. But here we are. The NBA season is back in action. It's been two or three weeks since it started. We're going to start talking about what we thought about the season so far. So I'm Varun, your co-host as usual. And joining me for the first time on this podcast is Vikram. My friend Vikram, who we, me and Vikram, we talk about basketball all the time off the camera, but this is your first time talking about it on air. Absolutely,
2: Varun. It's great to be with the other viewers of the Ballistic podcast. I gotta say, I love the name. It took a while for me to get on board with that, but... It was my idea, by the way. I could very very much tell that. Uh, Varun and I have been talking about basketball for years now, so it's a pleasure to be here as part of his team on the Ballistic podcast. So without any
1: further ado, man, let's do it. And by the way, Vikram knows his stuff. I mean, he talks about basketball all the time. So he's a full-fledged basketball analyst, all right? So first, we're going to talk about the game last night, Warriors and the Wizards. It was a pretty blowout. It was a blowout. I mean, the Warriors were losing by 18 points, and then it was the second or third quarter where all of a sudden, Bradley Beal goes up for a shot, gets blocked by Draymond Green, and then something happens. I'm not even sure, but... At, at the end, you see Green and Beal tussled. They fall onto the floor. I think Beal put Green in the headlock. What would you think of the game yesterday?
2: Well, first of all, the Washington Wizards blew a major opportunity to beat the Warriors at home. That's uh, Beyond the fight, beyond anything else, uh, Otto Porter and Kelly Oubre Jr. had the games of their lives. I don't know that Washington will ever shoot so well again. And I'm not saying that it's not possible, but they shot so incredibly well against the Warriors yesterday. Uh, that fight was critical because it changed the flow of the game and also took out Bradley Beal, who is definitely the their second best, best three-point shooter. Yeah, and their best three-point shooter and their second-best player behind John Wall. And let's, to be honest, Draymond Green, while he is pivotal to the Golden State team, he is not that team's second-best player. So from a pure basketball perspective, it was probably a good trade to say I'm going to take the other team's second best player for my third or fourth best player.
1: If that was the intent. I don't nah, think that was the intent. No, it, it yeah. clearly
2: wasn't, because at the end of the day, Bradley Beal was the one who started this fight. My true opinion is, had Draymond Green not picked up a technical foul earlier in the game, uh, after that tussle, he probably would not have been thrown Do
1: you know out. what specifically happened? Did he get a technical, or was he just ejected for the fight? So he
2: got a he got a second technical so it was interesting, the commentators were saying, you need not get two technicals to actually be ejected out yeah, of the Yeah, right? I heard that too. So that's that's a significant point. Draymond Green was ejected because he got a second technical foul. Uh, Bradley Beal was punished because of his instigation of the fight. Uh, if you look at the clip, he pretty much smacks Draymond Green in the face before throwing him in a headlock for apparently no real reason during that particular play. And I'm he not got sure. blocked. I think yeah.
1: he was just pissed off. Yeah.
2: It, maybe that was the case, but uh, looking back as far as the game before that point, it didn't really seem like Draymond Green had done anything beyond be the the defensive pest that he typically is. Uh, But it was a definitely a good win by the Warriors to be able to come back from that. They got some great minutes from their bench, which I think is critical with David West. Uh, Kevon Looney came out of nowhere to score and make some really big impact. And Omri Caspi actually came out to be fantastic in that game, went four for four. So you talk about contributions from, unlikely sources uh, leading a team that's already got a great lineup to a victory that they really shouldn't have won and Washington should have won that game without a doubt
1: you know what's interesting is that Draymond Green their DPOY after he went out they actually played defense I mean because they were down by 18 points so they played defense to get back into the game well it was a high scoring game at the end but they had to make defensive stops to get back into the game. They did make
2: defensive stops, but also Washington cooled off. Uh, without, If you'd watched the first couple quarters of that game, it was insane. That basket must have looked like a soccer goal.
1: Oubre was pretty hot in the first half. Otto
2: Porter and Kelly Ubre were unbelievably hot. I don't know that it, they will ever be that hot at the same time ever again. So, you know... I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure Draymond Green's presence lack of presence had much to do with the
1: sure with them doing worse. I think they just kind of cooled off. And the Warriors have gotten off to a, a slow start. I mean, maybe it's expected because championship hangover, right? Do you, do you really think it's a concern though? Their slow start. I mean, they they have been coming back and winning, right? It's not like a big deal. And you know, the Warriors but at the same have, time, their defense is pretty lackadaisical so far.
2: The Warriors have been doing this for a long time. They they lead the NBA in comeback games when they've been trailing by fifteen. So you know, it's not like they don't have a history of coming back and playing lackadaisical in the first couple quarters.
1: Okay, let me say this. Are you worried about their defense at all?
2: Uh, I'm worried about the intensity they provide on defense. I think. Uh, the guys on the perimeter have to stop letting people go by them as easily. I think people got to move a little bit quicker, especially on the pick and roll. Uh, but Kevin Durant is playing really good defense overall. He's yeah, got like a three ton blocks of game, Yeah, uh, He's coming to help defensively. He seems like he's really solid in the system. Uh, Steph Curry's got to stop reaching because that's been a, a pretty serious problem in the first few games where he's gotten in foul trouble because of it. Basically, it just looks like they're not locked in defensively yet. And like you said, championship is to be set, uh, expected. Also, it's the early season, you know?
1: That's and true, but, you know, I thought about something. Uh, if you go back last season, the Cavs, in their championship hangover season, I mean, if you go look at the entire season, their defense was pretty bad from start to finish, given that their defense the season before was very good. Yes. So you think that might be a concern for the Warriors, that their defense, what we saw in the first five games, it's been pretty bad, let's be honest. Yeah, it's not been very good. It's been, 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 good. Poor. It's been pretty bad. Been poor. They won the championship because of defense. Do you think... This might spread out throughout the entire season. Uh, I
2: certainly hope not. I don't think Steve Kerr will let it continue that far, uh, but it's possible. And they're still a talented enough team to even get to the first seed without playing that great defense because they can straight shoot like you the Cavs, games. yeah, right. Exactly like the Cavs, right? Uh, but the West is deeper, and there are teams there that are going to punish you if you don't play defense. And it only takes an off-shooting night from two or three of their players to make sure that they lose. Yeah, now, you're gambling Curry. on a lot, right? <laughs> You're yeah. saying, I need two or three of the Warriors scorers to have a bad game at the same time we have a really great game and they're playing bad defense. So that's a lot of things that have to go right in your favor. Sure. Uh, but
1: but no concern, you think. Defensive end, I think I think they'll slip a little bit this year. I think they will too. Yeah. I, I think don't think overall. it'll be like last year. Last year, they were elite. They were a say. say They in. were locked in. They were locked in. the from DPOY, game one. Yeah. yeah. This year, though, it looks like they're going to slip by a few points i think on so the defensive end
2: i think they're they're probably going to be maybe top 10 not yeah top five
1: sure all right let's go on let's start about talk about the season so far okay uh winners and losers of your first two weeks give me your winners uh i'll give you my main winner the orlando magic which i think to everybody has been quite a bit of a shock they're four and all right now or four, four and one, one. They, they're uh, number one in the eastern conference
2: they crushed the Spurs. Granted, it was a Spurs team without uh, Kawhi Leonard, but I gotta say the Magic look extraordinarily good for a for a team that we had very limited or low expectations for. Uh, but I'm kind of reminded. You didn't pick them
1: for for the playoffs, right? Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I picked them for one it. of the bottom
2: feeder teams of the NBA. Yeah. Uh, but then again, last year after the first twenty games, I think the Lakers were ten and ten. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. So you know. You never really know. Like, the early season is not a firm indicator of exactly what's going to happen. Uh, but that being said, they have played really well. And a lot of their young guys are taking steps forward. I'm really encouraged by what I've seen by that roster. And they're a roster that deserves to do well. Uh, they've Aaron Gordon yeah. has
1: played very well. Nikola Vucevic. I mean, everybody forgot about him. And he's saying, hey, don't forget about me. I hey, can still he's play that. a heck well. of a center, right? He can shoot. I think he's probably their best shooter. Yeah, but he's a center. He, he is their best shooter without yeah.
2: uh between him and Evan Fournier, I think. Are the are probably it would be that conversation. But, sure. uh yeah, the Orlando Magic have really surprised me in terms of where they are. And at the same time that the Cleveland Cavaliers, like the Warriors, have kinda underwhelmed. Uh Milwaukee hasn't done as well as I thought they might. So you really look at the standings, there's not a whole bunch of surprises. On the Western side, I think the, the Clippers have been a pretty decent surprise.
1: That's my winner, I think. That's my winner so far. The right. first two weeks, I say the Clippers because right now they're the only undefeated team Absolutely. in the NBA, 4-0. Blake Griffin is having an MVP season. Oh, yeah. And he's probably in consideration for the award right now.
2: Well, we knew once Chris Paul left that team, Blake Griffin's got to carry him. And he has the capability to do so, and that roster is talented. It's not like they it's don't good.
1: have. Uh, I, it's good. I wouldn't it's say talented. it's talented. It's yeah. good. Beverly's playing very well on the defensive end. I mean, and Teo Dosic in two games, I think he he showed off his passing ability. Yeah, before he got but hurt, he got, before but, he got injured, but
2: but you know, you look at the team. you look at the Clippers roster, right? They have Blake Griffin, who's a bona fide superstar, right? At the very least, he's on the, in that conversation. Yeah, uh, and you have a defensive star in DeAndre Jordan. So you're already starting with two effectively star players. So how bad can you really be as that team, is what I'm asking. I had them at you know, the fourth, fifth, sixth type seed. Uh, they're certainly overperforming my expectations, but they're definitely a winner.
1: Sure. What about, give me your loser.
2: Uh, my losers are probably the Cavs and the Warriors, because they're, they're not playing particularly well in general. Uh, they're kind of scraping by on the amount of talent that they have, and that's not a good way to play basketball in general Uh, also for individual players i think john wall has had a a pretty rocky start in terms of his ability to score sad
1: i mean he was considered a dark horse mvp candidate. candidate and he's
2: definitely underwhelming the thing he is doing at an elite level is passing yeah he is absolutely shredding defenses with his passing but in terms of his scoring and some of the other aspects it's been pretty disappointing even with the the loss against the lakers which
1: absolutely should never happen He, I mean, he was going up against the super hyped rookie, right? And LeVar Ball already put his mouth off saying, hey, we're going to win this game, right? And John Wall comes in. I expected a better performance because he's an NBA elite point guard, but he did not assert himself that way. He was more of a, he played like a fringe all-star.
2: Yeah, he really did. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Lonzo Ball maybe didn't shoot that well, but he did pretty much
1: everything else. Yeah, he played, he, a lot of assists, a lot of rebounds. He's been playing well. We'll talk about it Yeah, we'll talk about the rookies. Yeah. But I think my big loser. I mean, it's got to be Gordon Hayward. I mean that that yeah. really sucks. Yeah. I, if you guys don't know, first game, it's a broken. Uh, do you remember the injury? Broken uh, fibula. Fibula and uh, I his say, foot was basically. Or twisted. his it's not
2: a fibula. Sorry, he just totally broke his ankle. Didn't he, he? Yeah,
1: he he broke his foot ankle something like that. Yeah, and uh, it was really disgusting to watch. But uh, it sucks because he just signed a max contract and he's already out for the season. And he might he might never be the same player. You do not. It's know. It's very tough.
2: It's kind of like the the Chris Boss situation to me, where you have you know a franchise type player, your second third star kind of go down, and then you're left with what do we do in the future? Now I, I believe Gordon Hayward will be fine and be able to come back, uh, but you don't know what type of long term impact that will have on his uh, his game in terms of his athleticism. Uh, we are all hoping that he recovers quickly and is able to maintain his, his some semblance of his basketball form. But yeah. it's a long road to recovery. Especially
1: me. I'm a Celtics fan. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping this guy comes I mean, back 100%. We should all be but...
2: encouraged by yeah. what happened with Paul George, right? There's not really a noticeable difference in his game, to my to my eyes. Uh there's some people who said he's being less aggressive and this, that, or the other thing. But it's, in, in terms of his ability to be athletic on the floor, I haven't seen much of a difference. So I'm hoping Gordon Hayward has a similar result.
1: Yeah, I think the only thing that sucks is that Hayward is, I think he's 27-28, so... He's, he's got a little less. He's in his prime, yeah. and if he loses these prime years, it's his career is going to go down quite a bit. It's a. It's but let's bad hope. Story. Let's hope yeah. that's not the case, because I think I think I have to say he's the biggest loser, and I, I feel I feel so bad saying he's the biggest loser, but right, I mean, it just sucks. It's it just, just sucks. You know, it yeah. happens.
2: It's bad luck. You know, Jeremy Lin went out too. But if I can go with one more loser here, the Bulls,
0: oh Bobby good one. Portis
2: and Nikola Meritich in a fight here. Uh, first of all, for those of you who don't know. Bobby Portis and Nikola Miritich have apparently had bad blood between them for about three years, ever since they they're both on the same team, uh, and it finally escalated into a physical altercation, where it basically Bobby Portis
1: he clocks punched, yeah he, he clocks right in the face,
2: right in the face uh, gave him a concussion, broke some of the bones in his face. Ouch! Uh, it looks like Miritich is going to need surgery. Uh, Miritich no longer wants to play for the Bulls. Is that true? Yeah, he okay. he has said that I'm not real interested. It's a it's a him or me
1: type of situation. What was was it that he's he's willing because he has a no trade clause? Surprisingly, he's willing time. to waive his. Surprised by that, he's uh,
2: willing he's willing,
1: to, but he's not necessarily saying he wants out. Right? He's saying
2: I don't want to play with Portis. Okay. And given the fact that the Bulls just picked up the team option on Bobby Portis, kind of means Miritich doesn't necessarily have a place in that franchise. Which, to from the Bulls sense, from the basketball sense, makes sense. Bobby Portis. Probably has more upside than Nikola Meritish, But uh, I don't like it when teammates get into a fight, especially one that takes some guy out yeah, from his that's, living that's for, sad, for
1: a period of time, right? I, I guess that speaks to the Bulls' culture in general because we also just heard about this thing with Jordan Bell. Um, if you guys don't know, Jordan Bell, the Warriors rookie, uh, he's been playing pretty well so far during the season. Yep. The Bulls had a chance to take him, but instead they traded him away to the Warriors. And now the Bulls' GM, John Paxson, comes out and says... We did that to build equity with our owners, which we, me and Vic, when we both were talking about it, we both didn't understand the explanation. And I guess that speaks in volumes to the Bulls culture in general, which I think their identity, their role, I think it's all very confusing. I think they themselves don't know what kind of team they're building.
2: Uh, they have no clue as to the direction of their franchise. Exactly. That's what it seems like.
1: Uh, And John Pax and Gar Foreman, their GMs have been there for a while and, uh, I think it's time for a new change in management in Chicago.
2: Uh, It may be coming. Uh, It should be coming. Certainly at this point, I'm not sure what more you can
1: do wrong. You look at the Chicago Bulls roster, you don't know where they're going.
2: It's kind of like the Knicks, right? You look at that, you really look at the Knicks and their level of dysfunction. Something's got to change, you know? Exactly.
1: But let's go on. Biggest surprises. So, or what was your biggest surprise so far of the season? Uh,
2: Besides the whole. Uh, besides the standing with the the magic and with all those guys, you know, I would have to say, kind of where the bucks are has been pretty surprising to me. I thought they would be a little bit better, but watching Giannis Antetokounmpo take even more steps forward, he's been remarkable. He yeah. has been unbelievable. Uh, he had a little bit of an off game against the Celtics, I believe, but other than that, he has been everything advertised and more. Uh, he's
1: been averaging more than 30 points a game. Uh, I think double-digit rebounds. I don't recall, but his impossible. stat line is remarkable. He is impossible to he's guard. He's impossible to guard, exactly. You can't, like a 6'11 guy who attacks the paint with long strides, it's nearly impossible to guard somebody like that.
2: I, I was watching his games, and <laughs> it's just, it's nuts what he is able to do. He really is able to play and defend every single position. He's long. He's athletic. Uh, he's putting on some muscle. So all of these things are things that work to his uh, to his advantage.
1: Yeah. And my biggest surprise, um, I would actually say the Celtics. So sure. somebody actually uh, said that when Hayward got injured, one step back, but maybe it's two steps forward. And you're seeing this because Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum have stepped up. And there's a reason why they were drafted so high, both number three overall. Absolutely. And you're seeing it now. Jalen Brown specifically is he's asserted himself and yeah. he's playing very aggressively. And Jason Tatum is playing better than I would have anticipated. Yeah, as a rookie, as I mean, a rookie. You yeah. didn't expect much, but he's number three score 15 on that points. team. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, the only question I have for the Celtics are: Are you a better team without Gordon Hayward? No, I don't and think that's true. I think the no, answer no. is no. There. And are you better than the Cavaliers? Right now. Without he, Gordon Hayward, even with Gordon Hayward, it was it was already a question.
1: Well, well that's the thing. When Gordon Hayward comes back next year, and if Jalen right. Brown and Jason Tatum take their expected progressions in their maybe they development, will be. yeah, that that's a pretty good team, don't and, you
2: think? You know, if if LeBron James stays on Cleveland, he's another year older. Eventually, it's got to take. Oh some yeah, level. assuming he stays there. Yeah, assuming he's, I'm just assuming that he stays there because okay. otherwise the conversation is moot, right? Yeah. Uh, but for this season, I think. It's great that they're able to develop their young players, but in terms of their ability to, to compete for a championship, I think they're kind of out of luck.
1: Yeah. And this year, maybe not, but it's a surprise to see that they're competing. Yes, they're competing. doing, they're they're playing doing well. a lot better their than you would expect. Their defense has been fantastic. Through the yeah. first five games of the season,
2: given their personnel, yeah, I'm very shocked at how they, they, they their lost Jake Crowder.
1: Playing. Yeah, their best defensive player, maybe uh, not Avery their best, Bradley was probably Avery Bradley best. Was but best.
2: they lost their two best defenders, and they're still playing. Oh,
1: Marcus Smart is still there. I think yeah. he's got something to say about that. Hey, Marcus Smart <laughs> can definitely ball. Yeah. And what about your biggest disappointment? So I, I'm not even so sure if there's, there is like a big disappointment so far in the season. But do you think you have one? Uh, I was a little disappointed to see the whole
2: Eric Bledsoe saga in in Phoenix. I guess that's that's a disappointment only because just as a professional, I would never want to take my grievances about my team to social media in the sense of I want out of here. Uh, I think that's a conversation that you can have more privately to achieve the same effect.
1: So he tweeted out, uh, I don't want to be here. Right. Uh, he didn't give any context to it, but I think everybody assumed it was about Phoenix. And
2: that's the problem, right? When you don't provide context to something, it's left open to interpretation to, in a lot of different ways. Uh, but if I'm a fan of the Phoenix Suns, you know, how much do you like my city? How much do you care about the team, your team, your teammates? You know, those are types of things that are a little bit disappointing. Uh, I would say that's a, that's a big disappointment. Again, we mentioned the whole Bulls fight. That's a major disappointment. Yeah, you know, anytime you see,
1: well, I got some stuff to say about the Bledsoe thing, but we'll talk about it later. Sure. But yeah, yeah. my biggest disappointment, once again, I'm not so sure myself because I'm just going through, and I think, I think the expectations haven't met for most teams. Yeah, I think so, so. I I don't know if there's like a big big disappointment. Maybe Philly, if I have to th- think of one, because given that Ben Simmons is there healthy, Joel Embiid is playing. Markel Fultz, now he's out now for a few games. Uh, they're 1-4 and four right now, and I yeah. expected them to play a little better.
2: I guess we expected them to take
1: a little bit more of a yeah. step forward. Right? I still didn't think they would make the playoffs, but I thought they would play better.
2: Well, I think both of us thought that they would be at least somewhat in contention for a playoff spot. Yeah. like Especially in a watered-down Eastern Conference. But when the Nets are contending for a playoff spot more than you are, and they Nets lost the Jeremy Pacers. Lin. Yeah. yeah, you know... Where are you really at as a franchise? So not so great reviews for the process currently. Yeah, but Ben Simmons looks good.
1: Speaking of biggest surprises, Brooklyn, Indiana.
2: Hey, they're playing really well for for what they lost and where they're at. They're Victor playing Lo really Depot. well. Yeah, in Indiana, points is, a game. Yeah, Victor Oladipo is being a, looking like a star out yeah. there.
1: D'Angelo Russell playing well.
2: Yeah, D'Angelo Russell yeah. playing well. But we always knew, even when he was in L.A., he had a lot of talent. Uh, it was some of the other intangibles that were in question particularly his leadership and maturity which given what had occurred uh with him and nick young for example and just other issues that he had had makes sense from uh, from a management perspective and from magic johnson's perspective
1: sure and i'll tell you what else has been a big surprise slash big win for the nba so far the rookie performances absolutely a lot of rookies this year playing well ben simmons lonzo ball kyle Kuzma. Deren Fox, Jason Tatum, we just talked about him. Laurie Markin for the Bulls. So maybe one bright spot for the Bulls. A surprise bright yeah. spot. I was not We, not didn't, expect, really, oh, we didn't Yeah, I wasn't that really in love with that
2: pick either, but yeah. he is he's playing well for them and looks to be their long-term starter at the power forward spot. Yeah,
1: and Dennis Smith for the Dallas Mavericks and who was injured for a couple of games, but you saw in that uh the first game, he had a double-double, 16 points, 10, 10 assists. assists. Yeah. And you see what he can do.
2: Well, you look at Him and De'Aaron Fox, these guys are just blindingly fast. And Dennis Smith, in particular, has got to be the most athletic guard I've seen in a long time in terms of his ability to just jump.
1: Yeah. Only a six-foot guard, and he's pretty (laughs) remarkable when you see him on the court. But out of all these rookies, I'd say Ben Simmons is Rookie of the Year leader Uh, so far. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's averaging 18... 16, seven, 10 boards. I think he's averaging like 18. Yeah, but uh, it, they're pretty good stats for a rookie. Yeah, you I know, mean, 18, you see that 7 assists,
2: and 10 rebounds or something like that. Uh, he's putting up quite the line. My thing with him is it really has not translated to, to wins, to wins yeah. and even a bettering of the team. The one thing I thought uh, that Joel Embiid had last year for his Rookie of the Year case, and the same thing with uh, Dario Saric, was they made the 76ers a better team. Period. That team took so many steps forward last year. This year, and the jury's still out. We don't know what's going to happen in the next you know seventy-seven games, right? But in terms of what Ben Simmons has done, we have it has to be put in the light of it hasn't really helped the Sixers make any positive advances. The difference with that is, I think Lonzo Ball has made a big difference in how the Lakers have played. You know, they're only marginally better. I agree. Uh, in terms of their record, they're two and three versus one and four, but. The way that he gets his teammates involved has really impressed me.
1: You see it on the court.
2: I, I definitely yeah. have seen that on the court. He's got 10, 8, and 8. He's only shooting 30%. Yeah,
1: his know? shooting is bad, and I think we talked about it. It was bad in the preseason. It was bad in the summer league. And I think we expected it to be not very good, at least, in the NBA season. But I
2: think he's got to figure out what his game is in the NBA. And the reason I say that is he's shown when he takes a lot of shots, he can score. He had a 29-point game. But he is much more... Suited. Against him. the Suns, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, is this it is true. Like, it, yeah. It's not like a great defensive team or anything like that. But
1: teams are going to give him a lot of shots. True. And what do you think of his performance so far? I mean, where do you rank it there? You think he's number two behind Ben Simmons? Or you think maybe he's even number one or maybe somewhere else?
2: I think he's number two on the front of he's, his line looks good. It's having a positive impact on his team. But I would definitely say he's first team all-rookie. Yeah, that's that's where I would go with this. It's hard to it's really hard for me to rank him numerically from one to ten because it's early in the season and there have been a lot of really good rookies. But in terms of just looking at his game and some of the stuff he's done on paper numbers wise, he's got 10, 8 and 8,
1: which is pretty impressive stat line. And let's talk about De'Aaron Fox, though, because I think he's being forgotten in all this. He's coming off the bench, but he's averaging 15 points Five assists, five boards, something like that. And he's playing very well. He is playing He's very off the well. radar because of Lonzo Ball, because of Ben Simmons, and because he plays of on so the many Kings. rookie performers. Yeah, and that too. But he's playing really well off the bench. And I firmly expect him to get more time as the season goes on with the Kings. You I know? expect him to be a starter sometime soon. I mean, Well, you know, George as as well a really, is
2: really a competent point oh, guard in sure. the but NBA. I, you can play them alongside. I, I think, yeah. you know, they're still having to figure out how they're going to play that rotation-wise too. But I do think De'Aaron Fox is going to be a good NBA player. Uh, he's just so blindingly fast. I think he is being a little underrated. And he was underrated during the draft, too. He and was it's the same thing with Dennis Smith, right? There, are, This year has a pretty deep point guard class. And there are a lot of good point guards. It's a pity we haven't been able to see more of Markel Foltz because of the shoulder injury. But here's hoping he comes back healthy. Uh, another rookie that I was pretty impressed with is Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, who's averaging like 15 points? This unheralded rookie, uh, there's late some, first round pick. Yeah, late first round pick. Kuzmania is uh, officially. He's played well through. throughout the season. Yeah. So he's played well throughout the season too. Yeah, uh, his shooting percentage is, as expected, not as high as it could be. Yeah, but he's playing really well. He gives the Lakers another option at the three and the four, uh, to really yes. be a scorer which and really think, helps Lonzo Ball especially when sure. he's not scoring all that well so you look at that team I think the Lakers are, are taking a step forward with the roster they still got to figure out some of the rotation issues uh, Julius Randall Larry Nance where they're going to extend where they're not going to extend but they look good yeah Better and than they've been more competitive
1: this year absolutely noticed, you can the watch a Lakers games.
2: game without going like oh my god they're playing the Lakers yeah
1: exactly and uh, this speaks to all the rookies this year who have been very very good and they're making impacts for their team yeah. Even Dennis Smith, okay, their team is one and five, but you see what he can do for Dallas, and he's he's forward. making
2: Dallas a better team. Yeah,
1: they're one and five, and he he's he, I think he was injured for a couple of games, but you can see it on the court. You see his impact. Jason Absolutely. Tatum, same thing. You see it. I mean, he's getting better and better every game. You right. already see it, and we're seeing early season form. A lot of these
2: guys after the All Star break are going to be fantastic, right? That's what we want to watch. You really want to watch their development over the season, even for people like Lonzo Ball and Ben Simmons you want to see how they adjust to different NBA styles now Ben Simmons has the advantage of he's been watching the NBA he's been in NBA practices he's been around the league and seeing certain things Lonzo Ball has not necessarily had that benefit neither of the other rookies so it's going to be a, a good learning process for them but you, we should be very happy at the performance of these rookies in the early season and we can only expect them to do better
1: yeah and you mentioned Markel Fultz I guess out of all the great rookies He's probably been the most disappointing, and it's it's well, sad. It's, it's hard to ironic play because when he was great. the number one pick. That's ironic. I, he was hurt, uh, but he's he's just not playing very well. Um, I watched, I think, the season opener Philly in Washington, and I saw what he could be. I mean, he was a, he did great when he was attacking the paint, when he was around the paint area, the key area. Mm-hmm. He was very tough to guard, but his shot looks broken. His free throws are pretty bad. There's apparently there's this is shoulder injury now, and he's out for a few games, but. What do you think his impact is going to be on the Sixers this season? So, to be honest,
2: I was a little confused as to why the Sixers took him, because they already have a point guard in Ben Simmons, and I thought that was the direction they wanted to go to. Uh, Then again, they kind of subscribe to, let's take the best talent, wherever he is, whatever position he is, and we'll make it work, which I don't necessarily disagree with either. Uh, As far as his long-term impact, if he can stay healthy
1: and well, this season. What do you what do you expect of him this season? Do you think he's going to be a bench player the entire season, averaging like six to eight points a game, coming off for a few minutes?
2: Uh, I hope he's going to be doing better than that. I would hope he can play 20 to 25 minutes a game, even if he is coming off the bench, which is okay. But he needs to be playing 20 to 25 minutes. Otherwise, I'm not sure what you use the number one
1: yeah, pick exactly. on for. Yeah.
2: Uh, my big thing is we don't really know what the issue with his shoulder is. And it, there's, there's not really much reporting on it, and I think that's actually a concern. Uh, I don't know if it's tendonitis, if he's torn something. Like We have no idea what that shoulder injury looks like and what the timeline or even the expected time he's going to come back to the game is. So
1: They said they were shutting him down for three games. So after three games, we'll find out if he comes back to play. Right,
2: and even that wasn't like a hard, he's definitely going to come back at the end of three games. Uh, it seems like it's just precautionary, but... In the, in the NBA, we don't really know what type of injury he really has. And hopefully it's just something that's not too bad. The other thing is he's got to fix his free throws. They look awful.
1: Yeah. I think that's because of his shoulder injury, though. That's what I'm hoping. Apparently, apparently now he can't even like raise his arm up to shoot. That's how bad it is, apparently. And I'm he hoping... still played. I don't know why he was still playing this this entire time.
2: And he looked okay, you know, in the sense that he was still able to do some things on yeah. the court that were at an NBA level. Yeah, so here's to hoping he, too, will heal in terms of his shoulder. But again, why would you play somebody? If you're in Philadelphia and you've let Joel Embiid and the process and Ben Simmons skip a season, why would you suddenly play your
1: number one pick when he's actually hurt? I, I, <laughs> it's a good question. I don't have an <laughs> yeah, answer. Yeah, that's, that's... yeah, I don't know why, but we'll, we'll find. We'll see how the Sixers do. I, I'm hoping Markel Fultz gets the starting role because I think that's what he's there for. And he's such an athletic guard. He can play... The guard, you can play both guard positions. Yep, he's like a Russell Westbrook, James Harden type player. I mean, he's got loads of potential. I want to see how he plays with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, so it should be very interesting to watch. Absolutely. But sticking with Joel Embiid, he got a big extension recently, and not just him. Lamarcus Aldridge, Gary yep. Harris, these guys got big, big extensions. And I want let's go through every one. Joel Embiid, five years, max deal. He only played 31 games through three years. It's his 4th year now in the NBA and he's still not playing back-to-backs. He's still getting a minutes restriction and he gets a max deal. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. He's a transcendent level center in the NBA. He
2: doesn't come around that often. And quite frankly, if you're the 76ers, what the heck else are you going to do with that with that cap space? It's cuz somebody's going to pay him, you know, whether it be the Suns or some other team, somebody's going to pay him. If you don't, so quite frankly, Joel Embiid is definitely going to get signed no matter what. So you better do it because you drafted him and you told your fans that to trust the process. Joel Embiid is for real. He's averaging something like 20, 25 minutes or something over 20 minutes or 20 points a game, 10 boards, boards. he is a great defensive player. You know, you're looking at that and you say, wow. This guy is definitely worth it. And this is on a minutes restriction, on a restriction on back-to-back. We haven't even seen him at his ceiling. We're seeing him at kind of at the floor of his
1: potential right now. When you watch him play, there's no doubt you leave impressed because he's such a big guy, and he scores so easily. No doubt about it. I think he's he's scoring 20 points in 20, 25 minutes or so because they know he's under a minutes restriction, so they say let's get on the ball as much as we can. Sure, I'm so not even... when he's off the court, you know.
2: Yeah, and that's that's maybe the case, but the big thing with him that I really like about him is he's also got a very big personality. He's somebody who's suited to carry and be the face of a franchise, and that really matters, too, for a lot of... I don't of, think he's a good leader. Maybe he's not. I don't know. I'm not really sure about his leadership, yeah. but what I know is people genuinely like him, and that's an sure. important quality... When you talk about your teammates, when you talk about your coaches, when you talk about the GM and your team staff in general, he's a likable personality and that matters a lot, especially in terms of team chemistry. So he's an outgoing personality and I like that. But in terms of whether or not he's worth a max contract extension, you have to, you do not have another choice if you're the 76ers.
1: So when I first heard about the max extension, I mean, I was, I didn't like it. Let's just say that, but then I found out that there are several protections in the contract to protect the Sixers. You know, just in case he gets another big injury or something like that. Yeah, but they're um, written
2: very specifically in legalese to say if it's only the same foot injury. There's there's some sure, stuff sure. in there that's like, uh, I'm not sure. You know, some of it is to protect them, protect themselves. And it's good that they're trying to take that approach to it. But, sure, you know, I'm not sure how. They're obviously hoping that he stays healthy. And that's sure. how we're
1: going to go. Once again, like I mentioned, he's a great player. When you see him play, you see the impact he makes. And you're right, last year... In January or so, when he was playing, I mean, I think the Sixers went red hot in the month of January. They mm-hmm. were pretty remarkable there. So you see his impact. But the injury is a big concern now. 31 games through three years, and it's his fourth year, and he's still in a minutes restriction. He still can't play back-to-backs. You're hoping it gets over soon. I mean, you're hoping that he goes back to being 100% healthy. He goes back to playing 82 games through a season. He goes back to playing, or he will eventually, hopefully... Play 35 minutes a game, 35, right. 40 minutes a game. Well, we'll see if that happens. Um, right have... now, I don't like the extension. But if he plays well this year, if he stays healthy, that extension might look a little better.
2: Right. And it, it's kind of like the Anthony Davis situation to me uh, in the sense that Anthony Davis hasn't played a ton of games throughout his career in terms of he's playing 50, 67 not, not 82 games a year, basically. But we would totally say that Anthony Davis is worth a max extension any day of the week. So that's where I'm trying to – that I'm, I'm hoping Joel Embiid gets at least this year is to say that 60-game mark. That's sure. my goal for him is to say, hey, just play 55 to 60 games. We'll move on from there. I think that would make the contract worth it. And if he can play 70 to 82 games, 70 to 80 games a year, I think he's well worth it.
1: Well, I mean, if, when you're getting paid a max contract, I think the expectation is that you pay, you play all the games. Well, I mean, you try to play all the games, right? You, well, but, I mean, that's the whole point, right? And so – that's the only reason why I'm kind of doubtful about this extension. Sure. And, and I don't, I don't know the exact protections put into this contract to protect the Sixers from his injuries. But let's see. Let's see how he plays this season. Uh, he, no doubt, a transcendent talent like you mentioned on the court. LaMarcus Marcus Aldridge, okay? This is an interesting one. So he got a three-year, $72 million extension. And this is coming off a season where, or really a playoff series, where he was criticized for... Not playing very well against the Warriors. Yep. Kawhi Leonard went down. Inconsistent against the Houston Rockets. Inconsistent in general. Yeah. Through five games in the season so far this year, he's been remarkable. Well, 26 points a game. But do you like this extension? I do because, again, I'm not sure what else you do if you're the Spurs.
2: Uh, I'm not sure you have that many options in terms of, of... Oh, why
1: not just let him go next year? Because he's
2: truly a talented big man. And I don't think you just let talent walk for nothing if you can fix the issue that's there, right? And uh, this offseason, he and Greg Popovich had a heart-to-heart about where he's not comfortable, what he wants to see going, and it was a uh, two-directional, bi-directional conversation. And Greg Popovich was like, hey, I need to incorporate you better in the offense. And it looks so far during this young season that they've been able to work over that. We knew LaMarcus Aldridge is capable of putting up these numbers. That was the hope with which the Spurs signed him. So at the point where... He's starting to to put out that. The extension looks pretty good to me. But I really think it's another one of those, if you're the Spurs, what else are you really going to do? If you let him walk, can you replace him with someone who's better? Uh, He's a really good complement to Kawhi Leonard. He's one of the best power forwards in the league, in my opinion. So I think it makes sense. I like the Spurs doing it. And he's the type of player that fits in their culture uh, as far as somebody who works hard, somebody who's willing to play defense. So I like that move for the Spurs. I, really I actually do. agree
1: with you here. I think I actually think it's a good contract. And not just because of his offense, but because his defense has been very solid mm-hmm. since he came to San Antonio. In fact, when he switches on to guards now, he actually plays pretty well. He actually holds yeah. up against guards. He's quick. He's, yeah. he's fairly quick for a big man. He's actually all around. He's actually a very good player. And I think you saw him against the Warriors. Yes, he didn't play well. So that's probably why people have a bad perception about right. his contract. And I think but-
2: the system itself didn't necessarily highlight some of the best aspects of his game and i think greg popovich really recognized that and part of it is when you're when you're his level of player you got to be able to put out which is what that's on him when he underperforms but in terms of what can you as the coaching staff and uh the team really do to put a player in their best position that's kind of where i think there's some room and i think we're seeing that happen right now
1: it's getting better and uh this contract is also smart because we're seeing now that quality big men, like you just saw with Joel Embiid, they're getting paid a lot of money.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. So, like I, so, I said, somebody's going to pay him, right? If you don't, somebody else will.
1: So if you think about it, this contract, three years, $72 million, based off all the other contracts we've seen in the past couple of years, you could actually say it's a steal. Uh It could be. It very it's, much I think could it's a good be. value contract.
2: Well, look at how much Pau Gasol got paid this year, right? Yeah. And he's at the you know, the twilight of his career, right? Exactly, sixteen so, million a year. No. And again, I don't even think that that's necessarily a bad contract. Okay. No, I think that's a bad contract. Well, I know you do, but nice. in general, big men go for a lot now because there's not a lot of them and the game has changed. But the nice thing is the Spurs are able to change their style depending on their personnel. So, uh, you know, they're playing extremely well, except that loss to the magic, which I have no idea what the heck was going on there. Uh, but with that, they're playing that well without Kawhi Leonard, Comes yeah. out with that quad injury that we're not sure about what's going on there. But in terms of that, they're playing that well without him. So what's going to happen when he comes back? The Spurs are putting on a masterful performance again. We always ride off the Spurs during. I know during our offseason talks, we were saying, I, I was yeah, yeah I wasn't. We were was definitely like, getting, based off
1: their talent. Yeah,
2: yeah, we're like, wow, I, I don't. Admit. We don't think the Spurs are going to make a lot of noise. Yeah. And look at them
1: now. But having said that, when Kawhi Leonard comes back, it could also be a negative for Lamarcus Aldridge. Sure, because, he'll get less touches. Yeah, and we'll he see how he, how he reacts to that. But let's go on to Gary Harris. Okay, so he's a young player, Gary Harris, on the Denver Nuggets, shooting guard. He got a four years, four year, eighty four million dollar contract extension. Okay, uh, when I first heard about it, my first question was, what is a big deal about this guy? <laughs> right, because what is what does this guy do so well that he deserves a twenty one million a year? contract right so he's averaging 14 points a game so far in the season he shoots threes well he's a good shooter he's an okay defender i guess they believe that he's young and he'll become a great player two years down the line hopefully uh but the contract still did not make a lot of sense to me i don't think it was a good extension but what about you
2: i'm not sure why they gave him that extension right now I'm not sure he would have commanded that much on the free uh, on the free market, like free agency market. However, then again, Tim Hardaway got paid. Yeah, right. And again, I think this is another one of those. If you don't sign him, somebody else will types of moments. And if you're the Nuggets, you have a promising young core. Uh, It kind of makes sense that you want to spend on them. I'm not sure I would have paid him 21 mil a year, given what he's done in his career. But they certainly like him a lot in Denver. So you talk about Let's reward a guy who we think is playing well for us, uh, who we think can take steps forward. The contract starts to make a little bit more sense. And you typically want to keep your talent with your team, right? In terms of let's retain the talent we already have. And that Nuggets team, we didn't talk about them, but they're one of the disappointments of the season so far as well.
1: Yeah, Paul Millsap has not played very well.
2: Great, uh, neither has Nikola Jokic in, yeah. in my mind. So a team. Jamal expected, Murray. Yeah. Oh,
1: Jamal Murray. There you yeah, go. He's playing. Biggest disappointment. Yeah, he's that's, playing pretty poorly. Go. He's been terrible.
2: But in general, like that's the that's the issue. What do you do when you're a team like the Nuggets? Do you risk letting some of your assets walk away, or do you sign them to extensions? Yeah. I think that's the biggest issue around the league.
1: I agree. I think that's probably why they had to sign into this kind of. Yeah, money. I still I mean, think they probably could have paid him if, less if they let him go. Somebody would have given him the big bucks, probably because yeah. he's a good shooter. I'm he's just good not shooter. sure
2: he would have made 21 million on, on the free market. Maybe another. I'm not sure. I, I to be 100% honest, I'm not sure what the Nuggets were, were thinking with the large contract, but maybe they know something we don't.
1: He's he's a good young player, Absolutely. maybe he gets better, but we'll find out. But I mean,
2: 20 million worth. But then again, you know, all the numbers are inflated nowadays with, with the big contracts and the big TV money, definitely. So I'm sure that's part of the calculus, too. And now we come to Eric
1: Bledsoe, the drama
2: surrounding this guy in Phoenix. Well, you know my opinion on how disappointing that is. A lot of
1: dysfunction, is. okay? And just to sum it up, Eric Bledsoe tweets out, I don't want to be here. That's it. That everybody assumes he's talking about his situation in Phoenix. I would and assume then so. The uh, the GM, Ryan McDonoghue, he calls Eric Bledsoe and he says, hey, Bledsoe, what were you talking about? And Bledsoe responds saying, oh, well, I was actually talking about uh, a barbershop. Right? I think it was something like that. He was at a barber it's shop, Something
2: ridiculous, yeah. Or
1: some salon, right? With his wife or with and uh, wife or girlfriend. And he didn't want to be here. And that's what he tweeted out. And the GM said, I don't believe that excuse. He said this publicly. He said this to the media. I don't believe this excuse. So we're going to trade him. And he said, we're going to keep Bledsoe at home until we trade him. Now, that's the part that I don't get. Talk about it. Sure, he wants to get traded. But why are you publicly t- telling everybody, you know what? We're going to keep him at home. Well,
2: this is just hurting their ability to make a trade, right? In terms of it, totally it hurts loads. their value. Yeah, hurts the value of what are you negotiating for him, right? Yeah, like it, I don't know what the heck that was about. I don't. So I, I somewhat understand keeping them out of the game in the sense that it gives your roster. First of all, you get to play other people for those minutes.
1: So I understand. Well, wait, why. But who? Who are they going to play now? I mean. Here's the thing. I I think the belief is that, oh, they get to play more young players. But they already have enough young players, right? They already got like four or five good young players playing. They need some more veterans, some more experienced players. I'm
2: assuming that's what they're going to try and trade uh, Bledsoe for, right?
1: I don't think so. They want a young player in
2: return. They do. (laughs) But in terms of... Well, I'm talking (laughs) about the money, There's a limit to young
1: players, Phoenix.
2: Well, (laughs) I'm talking more about the money side of it than from the... uh, Well, they they
1: still have a lot of money.
2: They they also have a lot of money. And I'm not sure you make Phoenix a more... Appealing destination to free agents by trading away Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. I just don't think that that's uh, particularly smart. Especially yeah. when Brandon Knight's already out for the season, right? So you talk about where you really go from here.
1: And Eric Bledsoe, uh, if you heard about this report, Eric Bledsoe actually, during the preseason, he asked the owner and the GM for a trade. And he outlined his reasons. Yeah. Okay. So he went I, privately I about and that. asked yeah. for a trade. I think the, the Suns pretty much laughed off his trade request, is what, what I'm understanding. And then season starts and he tweets this out. So it seems like Bledsoe's stuck in a situation where he wants out, but the Suns don't care as much about trading him. And then maybe he put out that tweet, and then all Leverage, of a sudden, now, yeah, now
2: now he's getting what he all wants. All of a
1: sudden, now he's being told to stay at home. And I but mean, if you're the GM, I think it could have been handled much better. Yeah, I think it could have yeah.
2: been handled better. You're not really appealing to the rest of the league and the rest of the players yeah. in how you treat Eric Bledsoe. And frankly. Uh, you're paying this dude millions of dollars to put a, you know, basically put a ball in a basket and pass the ball around and be a point guard, and you're keeping him at home. So from that perspective, the optics are just terrible, pretty much.
1: But let's talk about where do you think you should go, okay? Because I think Denver and Milwaukee are the two teams that are being floated around quite a bit as realistic trade destinations. Do you have one in mind? I think
2: Milwaukee is a better, uh, a better fit for him. They could use a scoring athletic guard and Eric Bledsoe the problem is they'd have to give up Malcolm Brogdon who I think is a fantastic piece for them so Milwaukee's a good destination for him and kind of the ditto with with Denver right because Jamal Murray has been underwhelming to say the least for that team so Eric Bledsoe could certainly be an injection there but again it's more about what they have to give up in return for me that I think will will swing the decision one way or another.
1: Well, the value has decreased quite a bit because right. of all like, this public drama. What are you drama. actually so, going to get for Bledsoe? Everybody knows the Suns are trying to trade him, and all the other teams are saying, you know what? <laughs> we know you want to get him out quickly, so we're going to hold the leverage on you. Yeah, right, Absolutely. So, and Milwaukee, it's a money issue because yeah. he's making he's making he's making a lot of money. Yeah. But he's a good player. He's a really well, good player. Without a doubt. Eric Bledsoe. Very athletic guard. Good defensive player. He's
2: he's a starting level point guard in the NBA. Yeah, no doubt. Milwaukee no makes doubt. a
1: lot of sense. They could use somebody alongside Giannis and Chris Middleton. Yeah, they he would be a good fit in that yeah. system, I think. I mean whether you have to give up Brogdon, I don't know if you do that i mean brogdon is a good defensive player brogdon is and a good guard he's a big guard he's
2: a big guard who knows how to play the game of basketball uh, and i was impressed the thing with is
1: him. i don't know what his ceiling is what is brogdon's ceiling right go right? is the better player so yeah at this without a doubt a i think a terrible idea to think that we trade away brogdon and one of their big cap holds sure. for where
2: where do you get if you're milwaukee right and you're you're trying to win a championship and you have this team that you think you have a good core to right is Bledsoe the right fit for where you are in terms of your championship aspirations and how far you're out from them, right? Like those are the types of questions if I'm Milwaukee, I'm asking. Does Malcolm Brogdon fit our future path, like future trajectory better than Eric Bledsoe does?
1: Well, here's the thing uh, about that. Given Gordon Hayward's injury in Boston, the East has opened up. So for Milwaukee, I see this as a move to capitalize. Yeah, it's possible. And possibly jump to number two or three.
2: And it, okay, it helps them to that really
1: Eric Bledsoe was a very good player. Eric I mean, let's Bledsoe not helps them
2: match up with John Wall, helps them match up with Kyle Lowry. Not just absolutely. point guards, but shooting guards. But uh, too. in general, he's, he's a big absolutely guy. uh a he's a good player and would fit very well with Milwaukee. I think we're under we're undervaluing Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. Uh, just because of he's kind of been stuck in Phoenix for so long and in the mire of all of what's happening there, and they've been a pretty, you know, frankly, underwhelming team for the last few years. But for Phoenix, I'm just not sure what their direction is in the future.
1: It's... We talk, yeah, we talked about it. They have no identity, no role, just like, like Chicago. The Bulls. Yeah. yeah. And I actually think Minnesota would be an intriguing option there for Eric Bledsoe. Uh, after but, uh, signing unfortunately, Jeff Teague, right? You, yeah, you can't trade Jeff Teague until December, so it's probably not going to happen. But that would be you know, Jeff Teague, Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, Cat. Yeah. That's a pretty good lineup. right? But I, th- I think Milwaukee is the best place. And it's a realistic destination.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't really know what other team really has a desire or a need for him. So.
1: Yeah, exactly. We'll see how this drama plays out in the coming weeks. But Absolutely. we expect it to be completed fairly soon, given that he was sent home. Yeah, pretty much. So let's find out very soon. And with that, this is our episode, our first episode. Back after a while, Vikram. How'd you like talking about basketball on air?
2: You know, I love it. I'll talk about basketball all day if you let me. And, and we uh, probably
1: will after we're done with this yeah, podcast. Yeah, I know, exactly. So <laughs> exactly. it's all good anyway. So yeah. All right, we'll see you guys next time.